The Man in the Iron Cage from Pilgrim's Progress. Now, said Christian, let me go hence. Nay, stay, said the interpreter, till I have showed you a little more, and after that you shall go on your way. So he took him by the hand again and led him into a very dark room, where there sat a man in an iron cage. Now the man to look on seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground, his hands folded together, and he sighed as if he would break his heart. Then said Christian, What means this? It wish the interpreter bid him talk with a man. Then said Christian to the man, What are you? The man answered, I am what I was not once. What were you once? The man said, I was once a fair and flourishing professor, both in mine own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I was once, as I thought, fair for the celestial city, and had then even joyed the thoughts that I should get there. Well, but what are you now? I am now a man of despair, and I'm shut up in it, is in this iron cage. I cannot get out, oh, now I cannot. But how came you in this condition? I left off to watch and be sober. I laid the reins upon the neck of my lusts. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I have grieved the spirit and he is gone. I have tempted the devil and he has come to me. I have provoked God to anger and he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. Then said Christian to the interpreter, But is there no hope for such a man as this? Ask him, said the interpreter. Nay, said Christian, pray, sir, you do. Then said the interpreter, Is there no hope but you must be kept in the iron cage of despair? No, none at all. Why, the Son of the Blessed is very pitiful. I have crucified him to myself afresh. I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood an unholy thing. I have done despite to the Spirit of Grace. Therefore I have shut myself out of all the promises. And there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour me as an adversary. For what did you bring yourself into this condition? For the lusts, pleasures, and profits of this world, in the enjoyment of which I did then promise myself much delight. But now every one of those things also bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. But can you not now repent and turn? God has denied me repentance. His word gives me no encouragement to believe. Yea, himself has shut me up in this iron cage. Nor can all the men in the world let me out. Oh, eternity, eternity. How shall I grapple with the misery that I must meet with in eternity? Then said the interpreter to Christian, 
let this man's misery be remembered by you and by an everlasting caution to you. Well, said Christian, this is fearful. God help me to watch and be sober and to pray that I may shun the cause of this man's misery. From the book, Lectures on Pilgrim's Progress by George Beryl Cheever. Then said Christian to the interpreter, But are there no hopes for such a man as this? It was a dreadful sight to Christian, as it must be to us all. For what happened to this man may happen to any man who leaves off to be sober, and to watch and to prayer. It made Christian weep and tremble to see the deep misery of this man. But you will mark that the interpreter does not give any answer to Christian, does not tell him whether there is yet hope or not, but refers him to the man himself for answer. John Bunyan evidently did not mean to set it down as the judgment of the Holy Spirit, that such an one as this was past hope, and doubtless men have conceived themselves in this condition for whom there was hope, and the door of whose cage has afterwards been opened, and they have come out. There may be a spiritual gloom amounting as it seems to the soul under it, to actual despair from which there is at length a blessed deliverance. David was sometimes in prison in this way, and on account of his sins, bring my soul out of prison, he cries. And in the 88th Psalm, you have the statement of a case almost as bad as this of the man in the iron cage. The poet William Cooper was thus in prison much of his time, but in his case it was a mind of exquisite sensibility thrown from its balance and really insane in the belief of his being a lost soul. There are doubtless other causes of spiritual gloom besides sin, but unbelief and sin are the ordinary causes. John Bunyan himself was sometimes in this gloomy state without a ray of comfort, but never in such a state that he could not pray for mercy. Christian, when he fell into the dungeon of giant despair's castle, was in this condition, and he must then have remembered this picture of the man in the iron cage with fearful vividness and keenness, to full sight and sense of any man's sins, without the sight and sense of a Savior's mercy at the same time would be sufficient to cast a soul at any time into utter despair. And we are inclined to think that Bunyan had in his memory at the time of writing this description, that book which had so powerful an effect once upon his own mind, the despairing death of Francis Byra, the apostate, and especially that sentence, man knows the beginning of sin, but who can bound the issues thereof? And John Bunyan intended not to represent this man as actually beyond the reach of mercy, but to show the dreadful consequences of departing from God and of being abandoned of him to the misery of unbelief and despair. So Christian, as the interpreter bade him, accosted the man. Is there no hope, he said, but you must be kept in the iron cage of despair? No, none at all, said the man. Why, said Christian, the son of the blessed is very merciful. Then said the man, I've crucified him to myself afresh. I've despised his person, 
I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood an unholy thing. I have done despite to the spirit of grace, therefore I shut myself out of all the promises. And there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgments and fiery indignation which shall devour me as an adversary. For what did you bring yourself into this condition, asked Christian? For the lusts, pleasures and profits of this world, in the enjoyment of which I did then promise myself much delight. But now every one of those things also bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. But can you not now repent and turn, asked Christian. The man persevered in his gloomy, awful answer. It is indeed a picture to the life of a soul in incurable despair. God has denied me repentance. His word gives me no encouragement to believe. Yea, himself has shut me up in this iron cage, nor can all the men in the world let me out. Oh, eternity! Oh, eternity, how shall I grapple with my misery that I must meet with in eternity? Then said the interpreter to Christian, Let this man's misery be remembered by you, and by an everlasting caution to you. Well, said Christian, this is fearful. God help me to watch and be sober, and to pray that I may shun the cause of this man's misery. This was indeed a fearful lesson. The sight of this man in the iron cage was likely to remain with Christian at least as long as the preceding sight of the venturous man cutting his way to eternal glory. And the one sight is judged as important by the Holy Spirit as the other. This, after all, is nothing more than the reality must be, supposing a soul in the case described by Paul. For it is impossible for those once enlightened, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Woe unto them, says God, when I depart from them. There is no stoicism or philosophy can stand against God's departure. There is no harm can happen to a man who has God for his friend, but there is no good can happen to a man abandoned of God. When he gives quietness, who can then make trouble? And when he hides his face, who can then behold him, whether it be done against a nation or against a man only? Notes of Thomas Scott on the Pilgrim's Progress Now, said Christian, let me go hence. Nay, stay, said the interpreter, till I have showed you a little more, and after that you shall go on your way. The time spent in acquiring knowledge and sound judgment is not lost, though it may seem to retard a man's progress or interfere with his more active services. And the next emblem is admirably suited to teach the unconvert watchfulness and caution. Christian's discourse with a man in the iron cage sufficiently explains the author's meaning, but it has been observed by several persons that the man's opinion of its own case does not prove that it was indeed desperate. Doubtless these fears prevail in some cases of deep despondency, when there is every reason to conclude them groundless. 
and we should always propose the free grace of the gospel to those that have sinned in the most aggravated manner, when they become sensible of their guilt and danger. Yet, it is an awful fact that some are thus shut up under despair beyond relief, and it is impossible to renew them to repentance. No true penitent, therefore, can be in this case, and we are commanded in meekness to instruct those that oppose themselves, if perhaps God will give them repentance. But at the same time, we should leave the doom of apparent apostates to God and learn from their example. It's a warning to ourselves and others not to venture one step in so dangerous a path. This our author has judiciously attempted, and we should be careful not to counteract its obvious intention.